You are listening to a live broadcast from Faith Worship Center in Portia, Arkansas. But again, we're thankful that you're here tonight. We welcome you to this Sunday night service. And you can be opening your Bibles up to the great book of Colossians and uh, Colossians chapter um, number two. One very familiar scripture. I want you to look at it. We could probably quote it, but I want you to look at it. And uh, we're going to pray and be uh, seated. But also keep your Bibles handy because... Uh, they've got several places that we're going to be going tonight, and uh, so uh, we, we want you to look at that. The, what we've got to say tonight is so vital that you don't need to take my word for it. I'm, I'm, I, I want to be able to try, I'm going to do my best with the help of the Lord to tell you how, in a nutshell, how to live for God on a daily basis. That's not something that we need to be playing around about. That's not something that you need to take my word for. So you need to see it for yourself. And uh, uh, let's look at Colossians chapter number 2, verse number 6. Read this and then we'll, uh, we'll be uh, seated. And, and Paul says here, he says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. We're going to talk to you about your process of sanctification tonight. Would you bow your heads and your hearts again? Father, we love you, and we thank you again, God, for your love, your grace, and your mercy, and your word. I thank you, God, for your presence that we feel in this place tonight. And I ask you, God, to help us, Lord, to deliver this word. Help us to teach, God. Let the true teacher begin to show up and begin to let this word come alive to our hearts, Lord. And for we need you tonight, God. And I ask you, Lord, to just continue, Lord, to bless this, the remainder of this service. In Jesus' name, amen. The process of sanctification is, is a process that, well, it's not something that's really taught a lot in, in church, in the church world as a whole, and uh, it, it is something that we all uh, are, are faced with. If you're, if you're here tonight and you're in the flesh, you are going through your process of sanctification. Now, before I get too deep, let me say this, that Faith Worship Center, that one of our tenets of faith that we believe in, that we preach. Not all doctrines preach and teach this. But we do believe in a progressive work of sanctification. In a progressive work of sanctification. In saying that, we do not teach, according to Scripture, we do not teach that a believer can reach a state of sinless perfection. If that was true, then why did Paul write, when we reach the state of glorification, why did Paul write that this mortality will put on immortality and this corrupt will put on incorruption? Why did he write that? Because there's still some corruption inside of me and inside of even yourself that still needs to be changed. And the way that that is changed is through a progressive work of sanctification that is brought about by faith 
And that faith must be anchored solely in the person of Christ, of who He is, and what He did for you upon the cross. That's why it is so simple. That's why we just read. Paul says the same way that you believed, you believe by putting your faith in the cross of Christ. That's how you were saved. Paul said that same faith is how you need to walk and conduct your everyday life each and every day. Now, why did he say that? We're going to get into that. Because when you do that, you have just plugged yourself up to a supernatural flow of the Holy Spirit to help you uh, when, when it comes to you being victorious over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Amen. Amen. So this is why this is so vital and this is so important. But again, one of our tenets of faith is uh, that, that we, we do teach uh, that the progressive work of sanctification. Now, the word salvation, the word salvation itself actually encompasses the three words that we are very familiar with here at Faith Worship Center, but some may have heard, some may have not heard, some may have heard and already forgotten. That's all right, too. But the three words that salvation, the word salvation encompasses is justification, sanctification, and glorification. Justification is the moment that you say yes to Jesus. You are justified. Your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life because you put your faith in the fact that Jesus died for you upon the cross uh, for your sins. And, and, and the moment that the blood is applied, you are baptized into the person of Christ separated from everything else, but you were baptized, there was a union between you and Christ because you said yes to Jesus. And that's, that's, and that's, 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 what, that's what being saved is all about, a change of being a, a union between you and Christ. Now, that is very important. That's very, that's very vital. And, and, and you know, uh, there, there is a lot of uh, different doctrines and different teachings on the different ways of salvation, but there isn't but one way, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. And all that He asks of you is faith. All of you, all he asks of you is faith. Now, let's, uh, uh, now, the, the, the next part and the next word that we see is sanctification. This is the process. This is the lifelong journey. This is where he changes. Let me tell you something. There is people, and I thank God for that because I've seen it myself. I've seen people go down to an altar drunk, get up sober, and never desire another drop of alcohol on their lips. I've seen people been delivered from drugs, from, from nicotine, from everything, the moment that they first initially said yes to Jesus. But it don't happen like that to everybody. Am I saying they're saved? They're not. No, I ain't saying that. I'm just saying that the moment that you get up from an altar or wherever you find yourself calling out to God for the first time, there is some things that's going to change. But there's also some things that didn't change that still need to be changed. And that change is the process of sanctification. That's a lifelong journey that you and I are going. If you've been saved for five minutes or if you've been saved for 95 years, there's still something in your heart that needs to be changed. 
Because the truth of the matter is, no one in here, no one in here wants to go right over to that sound booth and give Abby your thoughts that you've had the past 24 hours for her to type in and put on these screens for everybody to look at. That just shows us that there's still something in our hearts that needs to be changed. And the third word, the third process, or the third word that, that, uh, that encompasses the word of salvation is glorification. That's the moment when the trump of God begins to sound. And, and, and this, as I said a moment ago, this mortality will put on immortality. This corrupt will put on incorruption. That's when we will be changed into the original state that man was originally created in the garden before Adam and Eve fell. We will live in a glorified body. All right. I'm thankful for that. I'm looking for that time. Because soon and very soon, Brother Junior, we're going to see him. We're going to see Him. I believe that soon and very soon we're going to see the King. And, and you know what? Here's what you need to understand. Justification is an instant. And you don't see it. You feel it. The person actually looks the same once they get up from an altar. They still got the same clothes on, everything else. Glorification is an instant. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, you don't. You're not gonna. It's not. You're just gonna. In the speed of thought, you're gonna wake up in a new dimension, in a new world, in heaven. Justification, boom, in an instant. Glorification, boom, in an instant. But not sanctification. Not sanctification. It's the lifelong journey. It's how we conduct ourselves as a, as a Christian. And you know what? The Bible, um, over two-thirds of your Bible right here is given over to the process of sanctification. Sanctification is the, it means to be set apart. It's the working of grace in your heart. Now, again, we have to, I, I can't say that without actually defining grace because sanctification is the uh, effectual working of grace. Grace is, um, it is the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in one's life. Now, let me hold off here a minute because I know that I, I there may be somebody new. I, some of y'all probably, lost y'all, a lot of y'all have probably already heard a lot of this, but I, I, I gotta, for the sake of teaching, I'm going over and over and over again as we begin to go back, uh, right to, to simple, uh, uh, foundational teaching. But what we, what we need to understand is that, uh, the, the grace of God is not a license to sin. See, growing up in church, I never really understood what grace was. I never heard the term justification. I never heard what the, the any teaching on the sin nature. Never heard any of that. And this is all something that, that every believer should know, especially when it comes to living for God. But grace is not a license to sin. And what I mean by that is there is some teaching and some thought processes that goes around thinking that, well, now that I'm under grace, God will overlook my sin. And here comes one of my old sayings that you get burned out on. But God hates sin. That's right. 
Sin separates man from God. It always has and it always will. God didn't save you in your sin. He, he came to save you from your sin. So God is not all right with that. He's not all right with that. If if there was if if there was a uh, if it was all right that God was going to overlook our sin and grace was a license for me to sin, then why is two thirds of the Bible talking about me being changed more and more into the image of Christ? That's a good question. That's some things that. Somebody needs to explain to me. But the truth is you can't explain that because grace is a divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in one's life. So if you want to go a little further, I said that grace is the divine influence. The definition of influence is the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or the behavior of a person. So what does that tell me? That tells me the moment that I say yes to Jesus and I have an unending flow of grace, the person of the Holy Spirit that takes up residence on the inside of me, that He is not going to leave me the way that He found me. He's going to change everything about me. He's going to change my character. He's going to change my development. He's going to change my behavior. That's why you find somebody that truly got saved. They don't talk the way they used to talk. They don't hang out with the same people they used to hang out with. They don't listen to the same stuff on the radio that they used to listen to. And they don't even watch the same channels on the TV as they used to watch on TV. And when this process and when this change take place, the truth of the matter is, you don't even got to have a preacher to tell you that. See, if I tell you, you need to quit watching this, you need to quit doing this, all I do is put you under law and you go home and your whole, you got a whole list of rules and regulations that the preacher tells you you got to do when the truth of the matter is it hadn't pierced your heart yet. But when the Holy Spirit begins to tell you, convict you, and change you, and you yield to Him, and you and you allow Him, as the Bible would say, work out your own salvation. That don't mean mind your own business. That means that you allow the Holy Spirit to carry out on the outside what He's starting on the inside. Does that make sense? The Holy Spirit's starting to work. He's wanting to talk to me about an issue, about a matter that I got embedded in my heart. And if I want to work that out, I allow Him to carry that out into fruition to my members. And not only do I I, I not want the desire to do something, but I want Him to take the desire and everything away. That way I no longer do that. I no longer talk like that. I don't act like that no more. I want Him to change me. And it's uh, it, this is the process again of sanctification. It is not uh, grace. Uh, it is uh, well. There there has to be a change. Let's look at Ephesians chapter three, verse number seven. Before I get uh, off of the definition of grace, simply says, "Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power." Now, grace is the effectual working of the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. 
All right, now, let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 16. Grace in a nutshell could always be summed up by one word, and that is help. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because when it comes to this process of sanctification, you are going to find and you're going to come up some things that are going to be a whole lot greater and a whole lot stronger than what you are. Because the devil don't give up easy. He don't give up easy. Because the truth of the matter is, if we do this God's way, and again, I'm going. I'll, I'm guilty. I'm, I will. I want to be guilty tonight of repeating myself. And so I, I, here it comes again. If we want to do it God's way, and that way is yes, by faith in the cross, in the person of, of Christ, who He is, and what He did for us upon the cross. Again, that gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to work on the inside. If we're gonna, if we're, the truth is, we can't do it within our own self. We must rely upon His help. And if we want that help, then our faith must be anchored in what He has already provided for us. Now, before uh, let me let me go into this. The changing, th- this change, this process of sanctification is the path of victory. It is the pathway of victory. It is God's again His prescribed order of victory. And we must, before we go any any farther, before we go any farther, we must recognize one thing, and I don't think there's any argument here, that there is one way of salvation, but there's also one way of sanctification. And now, now, believer, hear me, and I say this respectfully. I'm trying to help each and every, if you're watching live, I'm trying to help you tonight. Stuff that I wished I don't know 30 years ago. But if we can't agree on the fact that there's one way of salvation and one way of sanctification, uh, for me and you, we, we can't go no farther. I can't, I can't take you any farther than that. We must first get that ground floor established first. So that we can move on to something else. I don't think there's any issue in here tonight about that. I think that we're all in agreement that yes, there is one way of salvation and there is one way of sanctification. This again is the how to live for God. Now, let me say this. We, the church world as a whole is guilty of coming up with their own mechanism, their own schemes. To provide a believer with victory over the sin in their life. Because the moment that you take a believer that has an issue, has a problem, and I, and I give the illustration several times uh, in a foundation class, but the moment that you have a believer that, that, go, that walks up to their pastor in, in, in confidence and says, Hey, you know what, pastor? You get a few minutes, I'd like, I'd like to visit with you. Okay. Maybe they go into the office or whatever at a convenient time and meet. Pastor, I love this church. Been coming, been faithful for six months, eight months. I've been giving, been supportive. The people make me feel so welcome. 
I love them. I feel, I feel like family here. I love it. But pastor, I got a problem, and I need you to help me pray. And the pastor, will, you know, would say, well, what, what's, what's going on? What can I help you with? Pastor, I love the Lord with all of my heart. No doubt they do. But when I go home of a night, I can't leave the bottle in the refrigerator alone. It's got a pull on me. It's got a bondage on me. And I don't know what to do. It's a shame when the pastor sitting across the desk does not know the way of victory. So then he comes up with the idea, are you reading your Bible? Oh yeah, pastor, I, I read I read that Bible. I read two chapters a day. Well, you need to read four chapters a day. Why don't you try that? You pray? Well, I, I make a matter of prayer of a morning when my feet hit the floor and then uh, I take a few minutes of my lunch break sitting out in my car eating my lunch and I'll spend a little time in prayer. Why don't you try increasing that by you know, another 30 minutes or so a day. You ever fasted? Well, I haven't really given that much thought, but my, you need to fast. You need to fast that away. Now, hear me out. Nothing is wrong with the things I just named. Because what we got to do, we got to put them in the right perspective. If I've got a hang-up, if I've got a problem in my heart, if I've got something, an addiction or whatever it is, or something that, that I'm ashamed of that my spouse don't even know about, the way of victory for that is not increasing my Bible reading. Because the problem that is, is I have put my faith in what I'm doing rather than what He already did. I'm going to try to earn something from God. And that's not how we receive things from God. So, I, I'm not telling anybody, hey, if you're a true Christian and you love God, I don't have to tell you to read your Bible. I don't have to tell you to pray. I don't have to tell you when to fast. That's something that, that's between you and the Lord. You're going to have a desire in your heart to want to do those things. But the moment that our faith is moved from the, from the person of Christ, the work of Christ, from the cross, that, that, everything that He did upon the cross, from God's redemption plan, when my faith moves from that into something else, then I have cut off my help. Because the Holy Spirit... Don't work outside the perimeters of the cross. Unless he's trying to convict a heart. But if, if, if I want the person of the Holy Spirit to help me, then my faith must be anchored in the cross. So therefore, my faith cannot be in a church membership. In a doctrine, a denomination, it can't be in anything of like that. Because here's the thing, once you resort back to a rule, a regiment, a law, then you have put yourself under the curse of the law. Amen. 
Okay? Uh, now stay with me for a moment. We've got to understand that all of these things are righteous and holy if they are put in the right perspective. Are you with me tonight? Yes, we have to put that in the right perspective. Now, sanctification works in actually two different ways. Because, well, let's pull, let's pull up 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Did I give that one to you? I didn't. 1 Corinthians 6 and 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 11. All right. And such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now what I want you to see here is, the, at the process of justification, I know I'm backing up a few moments, but at the process of, sanctif- of justification, there is a sanctifying process that takes place in order for one to be justified. Let me explain that. The moment that I say, God, forgive me, I am a sinner. I ask you to wash me. I I believe that Jesus died for me. Forgive me of all of my sins and cleanse me. The moment that the blood is applied... That sanctifies me, that gives me a a righteous standing with God, which gives God then the right to say, justified. Because if this don't, if the sanctifying part don't take place, God can't declare me justified. So the moment I say yes to Jesus, the blood is applied. I am now made clean, righteous, and holy. Therefore, God can say, not guilty. Now, what that has given, that has given me a a righteous position in Christ. That has given me a right standing with God. I have a perfect standing. Why? Because my standing is in Christ. I am a perfect person. I'm a perfect law keeper. Why is that? Because the person of me, I've been baptized into the person of Christ and my position is now uh, perfect because the righteousness of Christ has now been imputed to me. Now, once we we get there, uh, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse number 6. This is my position. And hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now again, when you study your Bible, and you ought to if you don't, anytime that you see that phrase, in Christ, in Christ Jesus, in Him, it's always referring to faith in the person of Christ. It's always talking about this union between me and Christ. Okay, now let's move on. Now again, that is our, our standing with God. It is a perfect position. It's a, it's a position that God looks as perfect all because we have, uh, we have reckoned ourselves to the person of Christ and, and the price that He paid for us upon the cross. 
Now, Jesus lived a perfect life. He lived a perfect life upon this earth. He kept the law. He had the righteousness of the law. Now, the, the, somebody says, well, what do you got to do with the Ten Commandments? Now, well, we got to keep... Well, yeah, here's the thing. We can't. But God demands righteousness. So how do I keep the law? I make sure that I still got this union between me and Christ. My faith is in Him. Let me put my faith in the only one that ever kept the law. Because this is my standing, this is my position, and it never changes as long as my faith remains in the cross. Do you, are you with me tonight? Now, let's go on. Now, we become, again, we become a law keeper instead of a lawbreaker, all because we have placed faith in, uh, in Christ. Now, um, our state, let's, let's move on to our state or our position. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 18. But we all with open face beholding in a, in a glass, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, sanctification has to do with my state or my position in Christ, which is perfect, never changes as long as my faith stays, stays in the cross. The second part, which is the progressive work, which is your daily walk with the Lord, is your condition or your position. Or your, your condition or your state. Okay? Now this is what's up and down. Because this is where the battle between the flesh and the spirit comes in. This is where we all are, are, are taking up arms every day. We're taking up arms every day because we're all fighting this, this battle between the flesh and the spirit. Okay? Now, again... This is a uh, th this position or this condition here, or this state of sanctification here. It's up and down. My my position, my standing with God is perfect. It's up here. But but that that condition, it's up and down. But the job of the Holy Spirit, as He begins to change me, is. As I begin to be, I'm changed more and more into the image of Christ. His work, His desire is to bring my condition up closer to my position. Is it, are you with me? Does that make sense? He's trying to bring my condition closer to my position. You see, I'm not the same person I was a year ago. Might have been down here. Now I'm up here. And hopefully by this time next year, I'm a little closer to my position, which is perfect. Am I ever going to reach there? No. Well, when the, when the rapture takes place, yes, I will. But the job of the Holy Spirit is to change you more and more into the image of Christ. You'll look back and you'll say, you know, I, I, I can't even believe I was that person 10 years ago or however it was. I can't, I can't believe that because the change that takes place, and again, this varies, that's up and down, is what we are referring to as the progressive work of sanctification. 
The progressive work of sanctification. How do I conduct myself on it every day? I get up. Luke 9.23, bring it up. Bring, bring Luke 9.23 up. I didn't give it to him. But you get up every day. And this is something that every believer, this is a pattern that a believer needs. This ain't a rule. This ain't a, a, a law. But something in your heart ought to resonate the fact that if you want to follow Christ today, that you got to first admit that you know what? You can't do that within yourself. That in order for you to be what God wants you to be, you have got to understand that you have got to stay plugged up to the power source of the Holy Spirit so that He can enable you to be what, for, to, for you to be able to be what God wants you to be. So once I understand, and I understand every day that I can't do it on my own, then the next thing I get to do is I get to take up my cross daily. I'm not a bozo going up and down Highway 63 dragging a cross behind me just so I could get my name in the paper no the take up his cross daily means that what I'm going to do is is I'm going to take up the benefits which is the person the working of grace flowing the benefits of the cross because that's what Christ paid for he made the person of the Holy Spirit available so now that I got the person of the Holy Spirit that's going to take of that which is Christ and give it unto my goodness, that take of that which is His and give it unto me, He's going to take of all that. I'm going to take up the benefits of what Christ paid for me. I'm going to take that up daily, and then and only then can I properly follow the Lord. So you start your day out, however, I, and I'm, I'm not going to tell you what to do because I'm not going to. I don't want to put you under a law. But you got to under this. This has to resonate in your heart. The fact that God, I can't do it on my own. I need your help. I place my faith in the fact that Christ has already provided all everything that I need to be what you want me to be today. Not just to be a witness, but God just to change me today, to help me to be changed more and more into your image. You got, you got a problem? You got a hang-up that you're praying about? God's convicting your heart about something? You get up every day. God, I can't do it. I only made it yesterday because you helped me. And I'm going to make it today, but I'm believing today that you're going to give me 100% victory over this and I won't ever even desire it again. Guess what? If it don't happen by noontime, you keep trusting God. You keep believing. You keep asking the Holy Spirit to help you, to enable you to be what He wants you to be. And if it don't happen by the time, supper time, you keep asking God. You keep believing God. You keep your faith in the cross and allow the Holy Spirit to continue to give you strength. And you know what? He will give you strength. And He'll give you rest. And He'll give you refreshing. But yet, there's sometimes that it might still be there the next day. And there's sometimes that it might still be there the next week. There's sometimes that it might be there even the next month. Does that mean you're a failure? No. What's God doing? What's God doing to me when I'm asking Him to deliver me for something and it might take Him two years to do that? He's teaching me to trust 
and depend upon him. That's what he's doing. That's why Paul calls it a fight of faith. How much? How determined? How determined are you to believe? How determined are you to believe it? You see, the devil is good at throwing things up in our up, up at us, thinking that well, you didn't get victory last month over this. God didn't want you to have victory. That, that's it's, you can't do that. And and what we're guilty of at times is we. Before we give in to whatever it is and throw in the towel, the first thing that we're, we want to do is we want to help God out a little bit. So maybe I alter my faith, and I don't even know that I'm doing it. I'll alter my faith into something else. I'm, maybe I accidentally start putting my faith in how much I'm reading. I start doing this. I start doing that, thinking that God needs a little bit of help. Because I'm not seeing the results that I think I ought to see. And then what happens? You sure enough, they don't got no help from the Holy Spirit. And then we sure enough feel like a failure. And the devil's got us held down, we're pinned down. And if we stay there long enough, we'll just plumb quit and throw the towel in. I don't know how long that you have to continue to believe God for a certain area, a certain issue in your heart. But I do know that with the prescribed order of victory that God has given us, there's not one believer in here that is left without an excuse not to have victory. Not one of us in here is left without an excuse not to live a victorious Christian life. It is laid out right here for us. And again, we sit there, we ask God, we may stay here a month, we may stay here a year, whatever it is. But when that victory comes, guess what? I take another step. And then boom, guess what? He, The Holy Spirit shows me something else He wants to change. He may change it right that day. And guess what? If he does, I take me another step closer to the Lord. And then he convicts my heart again. You see, there's things in your heart right now that's not pleasing to God that you don't know about. You don't know about. But he's going to take it. He's going to show us. And, and, and this process is, uh, well, as he told the, the children of Israel, it's by little and by little of how they would take the, and conquer uh, the, the giants in the land of the promised land. It is by little and by little. Not at once. Not at once. But it is by little and by little. And it's very important that we understand that. This process is something that God has laid out for you and I. And, and again... God only asks one thing of us. Young people, listen to me, because this is easy that you can even understand this. He only asks one thing of you and of me, and that is faith in the cross. Why? Because it's where the Holy Spirit has the latitude to help you be what God wants you to be. Amen. Amen. I am 
I'm going to leave you with this. I, I still got more, but I, I just feel like I'm going I'm to I'm hold off right there. Right? We got to may save some more for another time. You couldn't you can't do this all in one setting anyway. But one thing I want you to understand is when you think of the term justification, you think of Christ working for you. But when you think of the term sanctification, I want you to think of this. It's the Holy Spirit working in you. It's the Holy Spirit working in you. As He develops the righteousness of Christ on the inside of us. And again, our condition is to change. Our condition is to change. I I, I don't put a lot of stock in believers that they get saved and nothing ever changes. They say they're saved and nothing ever changes. They don't look like the they they still look like the same person they did 20 years ago. Because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things passed away, all things become new. You can't if if this union is taking place, you've heard me say this several times, but I want you to get it. If this union between you and Christ, the moment you say yes to Jesus, if it has truly taken place, then you are not going to be all right with your old lifestyle. You, you, can't, you can't be all right with it. Because when the Holy Spirit moves in, He grabs a broom and He goes to cleaning house. He goes to cleaning house. He will. Amen. But I'm telling you, it's a good life living for the Lord. Anybody, everybody can be changed from anything and everything. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Would you bow your heads again? Let's, let's stand to our feet a moment. Let's just bow our heads. Father, we thank you, God, again for your word. I thank you, God, for, again, Faith Worship Center, Lord, and and for everyone that is here. And I ask you, God, to help us, Lord. God, all of us, Lord, are in this walk. We're in this changing process together. God, I ask you to help each and every one. I ask you, God, to lift them up. God, to strengthen their faith. I pray for everybody's faith in here, God, that their faith would not fail. That, God, they would keep fighting the fight of faith. God, give every believer, God, more strength, God, another breath of fresh air, God, to continue to fight, Lord. And I ask you to help us, Lord, as we endeavor, Lord, to to help one another, God, lift one another up in prayer. And, God, I ask you to change each and every one of us, Lord. We need you. Help us, oh God, to continue to be a voice. God, for others to know how to live for you on a daily basis, God. God, for we realize that we're nothing without you, and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were blessed by this message or you need prayer, please email us at faithworshipcenterar at gmail.com.